Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Well, we do want to welcome you, and especially those of you at other locations. I know you may not be able to see, but we got a special guest in the house. Uh, Pastor Rick Ross, our district superintendent, is here, and we want to... So he, he and uh, Pastor Susan have all three grandkids all week. So you need to pray for Pastor Susan is who you need to pray for and just uh, some extra energy and some extra this week. But Pastor Rick, we love you. So thankful for you. Take your Bibles out and turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, have, you know, have you noticed, whether, whether you're a sports fan or not a sports fan, I think this, this will resonate to varying degrees, but the way that we have interacted with sports in our culture has changed throughout the decades, right? So it, it started out, and uh, we used to play sports. Like, um, uh, before video games, there were, like, actual round spherical objects that you kicked or tossed to each other. And so we played sports. And in 1936, the very first televised sporting event, worldwide televised sporting event in Berlin, Summer Olympics, that was televised. And, and so that, cha- that, was a, that was a shift in our interaction with sports, right? We went from playing to now we went from playing to watching. And then do you remember when ESPN came out? We went from playing to watching and then who's got time to watch an entire game? Now we can just watch the highlights. The highlight clip, I remember when I was a freshman at Southeastern, uh, at that time Southeastern College, I was driving around the rear entrance and there was a dumpster and right beside the dumpster there was a television. And so I just thought, wow, favor of the Lord, I'm gonna gonna give it a shot. So I picked up the television and I took it back to my apartment in Bauer Hall and I plugged it in, miracle number one, it worked. Miracle number two, it had 13 television stations. It had, I, I know, right, you're looking at me like only 13. Look, for me, I was raised with three stations, four on a good day. And so this thing of cable and ESPN, this was my first interaction with ESPN. So I'd go to chapel and then I'd get to come back and watch Sports Center. But have you noticed, I don't know if you've caught uh, a sports highlight show, but have you noticed in the fourth shift? There are very little highlights, so it was playing sports, watching sports, watching highlights about sports. Now it's gossiping about sports. Have you noticed that it's all the it's all the talk? So it's all like this coach is mad at this player, and and this player is mad, at, and this player wants a new contract, and it's and it's all of these things, and it's speculation, and who who's the new team, and that sort of thing, and 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 well, it's it's kind of the way society is in our life, right? Because sometimes you go from living life to watching other people live their lives, to then via social media just watching highlight clips of other people live their life, and then the lowest level is gossiping about other people living their life. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in this world, there are two types of people. There are the people that are actually on the field doing something, and then there's other people that are criticizing the people on the field. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in the first category. Like, I want to be in the category. That's why I love, I love Nehemiah, because Nehemiah had a mission Nehemiah had a mandate, and Nehemiah set to work. So the background of our story today, Jerusalem, 
uh, was, was had been destroyed. It was in ruins. And so Nehemiah and Ezra were commissioned by the Lord to go back to Jerusalem to repair the temple and to repair the walls to repair the temple and to repair the walls. And Nehemiah then was on this mission. But, but have you noticed that when you're on a mission from the Lord, the rest of the, the, rest of the crowd comes. And, and you got some people that are cheering you on. And well, well, let's just pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Can I tell you that any time that you have a mission from the Lord, the enemy is going to do everything that he can to try to stop you. And if he can't try to physically stop you, he'll try to distract you or get at your emotions or discourage you. And maybe, just maybe, that's why you had the week that you had. Maybe the, the reason you had the week that you had is not because you're on the wrong path, but because you're on the right path and because you're doing something for the Lord and because you're at work for the Lord the enemy is trying to stop you but I realized they were plotting to harm me so I replied by sending this message to them I'm engaged in a great work so I can't come why should I stop working and meet with you four times they sent the same message how many of you know the enemy just doesn't quit same, same message, four times. Four times they sent the same message. And each time I gave the same reply. Fifth time, Sam Ballot's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor. There's a rumor. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations. And Geshem tells me that it's true, that if you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and it's why you're building the wall, according to his reports. See, this is what the enemy does. The enemy will send voices in your life to try to flip the very thing that you're doing for God and make you feel guilty like you're doing it for yourself. And so according to his reports, you can plan to be their king. You plan to be their king. He also reports that you've appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there's a king in Judah. You can be sure that this report will get back to the king. You see the fear. You see the intimidation. You see the rumors. You see the gossip. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, there's no truth in any part of that story. You're making the whole thing up. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. Intimidation and discouragement. Intimidation and discouragement. Tools of the enemy. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Don't you just love Nehemiah? So listen, we'll never stop. The enemy has a personalized sports talk show for your life. And guess what? He knows your greatest fears. He knows what gets you. He knows your emotional triggers. He knows who to send you at just the right or the wrong time. There will be a group, there will always be a group of voices, both internal and external, that tries to second guess, second guess your decisions and why are you doing this? And if you would have done it this way, just like they're talking about, they're talking about the basketball team and if the star just would have done this and, and what we have 
have to do is say the same thing. What I love about Nehemiah, so Nehemiah is doing what? He's, he's working, he's doing the work of the Lord and he's rebuilding the wall. So he's up here and they're the gossipers and the complainers and the naysayers. This is the reason you can't do it. Other people have failed. Don't you know that other prophets, why do you think that you're greater than the fathers that have gone before you? You're not gonna accomplish this. Don't you know your failures? Don't you know fear, discouragement, intimidation? And, and Nehemiah says this. This is, my, this is my Carolina translation. My Carolina translation is that Nehemiah says, number one, that ain't true. Number two, ain't coming down. Ain't coming down. Turn to the person on your right and tell them ain't coming down. Turn to the person on your left and tell them ain't coming down. You know why you're not coming down? Because you got a higher purpose and you got a higher calling and you're not going to come down to the level of gossip and you're not going to come down. See what I'm speaking about, hear me. I'm not speaking about people. I'm speaking about a mindset. See, God loves people, but there is a prevailing mindset that if I'm not going to do something great in my life, I'm just going to tear the people down. There is a mindset around our culture of small thinking and small vision and small dreams. And when every time the greater your dream and the higher you rise in leadership, the greater those voices will be. And so that's why you have to preach this to yourself. Ain't coming down. Ain't coming down. Ain't coming down. It's not that you don't love people. It's that you're not going to come down to that mindset. You're not going to come down to that level of thinking. God's got higher dreams for you. He's got a higher calling for you. And so you've got you've to, four things, you've got to rise up. You've got to rise above. You've got to rise, we got to rise above. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, he talks about that when the storms of life come against us, that we can soar with wings of eagles, that we can rise above. We learn to live above. You learn to rise above the circumstances. Every, every youth pastor, I think, in the history of youth pastoring, like here's the three requirements for being a youth pastor. Number one, love Jesus. Number two, tolerate, I mean, love teenagers. And number three, Pastor Justin's here. He's our, our lead youth pastor across our, our network. And, and, and the third requirement is you got you to use this illustration. So if you grew up in church or in Sunday school uh, or in youth group, then you're probably going to recognize this. If you didn't, that's great. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I haven't been in church in 30 years. That's okay. You're the, you're the reason why we do this. So welcome to a really good illustration. So the youth pastor would call two kids and, and they would be smarter than I was and usually just have a chair and not have this thing. In my mind, like I thought like, hey, I said, hey, Pastor Jerry, bring out that staircase. And in my mind, the stairs were like this big and it was really sturdy. And neither of those are the case, just to tell you that. But, uh, but there would be a chair. So the youth pastor would bring, bring the chair up and he would have one kid stand up on one level of the chair and he would bring another kid up and it would usually be a smaller kid. And, and he would say to this kid who represented the Christian and this kid was the, the non-Christian. And he would say to the Christian, okay, try to pull up the other person and he'd try to pull up the person to the chair and most of the time onto the chair and most of the time it wouldn't work and then he'd say to the other kid okay you pull him down and the smaller kid most of the time when the illustration worked would pull the other kid down and it was just talking about that it is a lot easier in life to get pulled down than it is to pull other people up how many of you ex experienced that it's just and so and so watch this 
Hear me, sometimes. Say sometimes. Sometimes. You got you to use discernment on this. Sometimes I'm talking about people and voices in your life where the voice is habitual. It's habitual. Every time you're around this person, it's negativity. Every time you're around this person, it's complaining. Every time you're around this individual, it's excuses. And every time you're around this individual, it's emotionally draining. Here's what you got to do. You need, you need distance. You need distance. Can I, can I still love from here? Say yes. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> Forgive and love. Can I, can I still pray from here? Say yes. But you need distance. You hear me? That's for somebody today. That's for somebody today. You need, you need distance. You pray, you love, but if you find yourself in the same relationship and every text message is dragging you down and every, every social media interaction is dragging you down, you need distance. There are some things you can't change. You learn which battles to engage and you learn which battles that you just need distance from. Last 4th of July, my family and I were in Hungary, Horse, Montana. Population, 500, 300 of those were grizzly bears. And so we were at the base of Glacier uh, National Park. I was preaching a, a, a camp out there, and they kept out, they told us all week, you got to go to Hungry Horse for the 4th of, of July, Hungry Horse for the fireworks. And, and they, they kept, it was an experience, and Pastor, you got to go, you got to go. And so, and so my family and I hopped in the little golf, golf cart, and we went several blocks up to Hungry Horse, and there was a little uh, a food stand there, a restaurant, and a gas station. Well, the interesting thing about Hungry Horse is, and this has been a tradition for decades, uh, people would line one side of the street and then people would line the other side of the street. Fireworks in hand. So this was like, a, uh, there, there was no town of Hungry Horse fireworks display. This was like your neighborhood was, it's like bring your own. Everybody, everybody just bring, bring your own. And they had a couple of police officers there and an ambulance. That's always a good sign. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. They would start shooting the fireworks in the air. And then somebody would say, hey, let's get them. And it would become a firework battle across the street. You had fireworks landing under police cars. Can I tell you, that was an interesting thing to observe for about 30 seconds. And I'm looking at Camden, and she's looking at me, and the kids' eyes are about this big. And you're like, you're ready? Yeah. Listen, there are some battles that you engage in. And there are some battles where you just need some distance. Can I tell you what not would not have worked is a flyer explaining fireworks safety. Excuse me, sir, would you like to have a conversation? No, sometimes you just need distance. You got to rise above and then you got to speak above. Say speak above. You got to speak above. I love Nehemiah. Ain't coming down. That ain't true. Ain't coming down. I love that Nehemiah had you learned what to say and what not to say. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification. Can you just, just for a moment, imagine a culture? Imagine a marriage Imagine a household, imagine 
a nine-hour ride with the children on the way to your vacation destination were the only words that were spoken were words that were good for edification? Would that not be a much more pleasant atmosphere to live, to work, to engage, and you say, and you say, well, pastor, all of this is gonna go on, yet it, yeah, it is, but you control the way you speak. You control the way you speak. Watch this, your life follows the direction of your words. And what the enemy will do is he will try to bait you in to responding with the same negativity and gossip and small thinking as the attacks come. And you don't speak down. When you speak down, it doesn't put people down, it pulls you down. Your life follows the direction of your words. What we need to learn to do is to speak up, pray up, praise up. And so when the negativity comes, I'm praising up. When the words of gossip come and the complaining come, I'm speaking up and your life begins to follow. You begin to elevate, you elevate your level of speech above people around you. So I entered into, uh, we'll, just, we'll just call it, a, we'll call it an interaction. That's what we'll, we'll call that uh, a couple weeks ago with the North Carolina Department of Motor Vehicles. And, and so this was the, the situation that led into this. They have this thing in North Carolina and they've doing, been doing it. You say, Pastor, they've been doing this for years. I know, that, I know they have. You say, Pastor, it's a good system. It probably is. But they do this thing where it's your, your tax and tag together, right? Tax and tag together. Tax and tag together. I know it makes sense. I just can't get it together. Like, like ever, I needed that little window decal. You remember the little window decal that just was staring at me that said May or, or whenever my, and so I just, you know, I'll, I'll, what will happen is I'll get my little notice in the mail. You got to pay your taxes. And so I'll go online and try to pay my taxes and they'll say, you can't pay your taxes because your vehicle's not inspected. Oh yeah, yeah, tax and tag together. And so uh, then I'll forget to get the vehicle inspected. And then finally I'll remember to get the vehicle inspected and I get the vehicle inspected. And then I forget to go back and pay the tax. I know, like, I know, I know it's simple. And so, but I saw the, de the deadline and I'm like, oh man. Um, so so I, I wrote my check and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be late, but the DMV is well known for grace and customer service. And so I'm just going to send it in and favor of God go before me and I send it in. And days went by and weeks went by. I'm like, I'm walking in anointing. I'm walking in the power of God. And then I got a response from the DMV. That was not a little Hallmark card or personalized note. Dear Reverend Witherup, we know you're a good, upright, tax-paying citizen. No, it wasn't that. It was just like a little form that checkbox, uh, check, you were late, check, you owe another $42. Like, that, that was it. So I, I thought, well, well I'll, call, I'll call them. Let's call, let's call them. <laughs> if, I, if I explain, you know, good person, 
if I explain. And and so I I got on the phone with this guy, and and he proceeds to tell me, no, 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 and many different, you know, forms, and and read from his script. And poor guy, you know, the summer job working $8 an hour, and and he's just doing his job. And and, and so I said, well, well, listen, I said, "Uh, is there there any way? He says, well, there's there's a process. I was like, "Well, well, let me hear about the process. He says, go ahead and pay it. And then, and then I will send you the email of somebody to contact, and you contact them via email, and, and, and then you submit your case, and then they'll get back to you on whether they, once they review your case. I said, oh, great. I said, that's, fa- that's fantastic. I was like, just put me in touch with him. No, sir, you got to pay, pay it first. And then I was like, no, 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 just like, can you give me his email? And I, actually, I was, like, transfer me to him. And then he was explaining how he doesn't even know who this person is, and they won't give him, they don't trust him with the guy's email. And so I proceeded. Y'all, I went into, I was nice, I was kind, I was Jesus, but I went into lecture mode. And I began to lecture this, this young man on what customer service is. And I understand that there is policy. Policy, but policy is there for people. And so his job is brought to him by taxpayers of North Carolina, of which I am one. And so thank you for the policy, but your policy is there to serve people. And I went in and I was passionate and I had my points laid out and I was ready to go. And at the end of that, he said, so again, if you'll just send in your payment... <laughs> And here's the problem. I was wasting my words talking to somebody that didn't have the power to make a decision. And I feel like God would remind you, stop wasting your words. Stop wasting your words over individuals that don't have any power in your life. You speak up. God's got control of your situation. God's got control of your future. God's got control of your job. And so don't waste your, God's got the power. Talk to, say, talk to the person. Say, talk to the person with the power. I want to talk to somebody that can make a decision. I want to talk to somebody who is empowered to help me. So we rise above and we speak above and then we think above. We think above. We have to learn to elevate our mindset. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true and whatever's noble and whatever's right and whatever's pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Y'all, Paul was not writing this from a Mediterranean cruise or a praise and worship service in the temple. Paul was writing this from prison. And Paul is saying that even though your circumstances may be a cesspool, you can elevate your thinking and you can learn to live in an elevated mindset where the negativity and gossip and complaining and the opinions of everybody else that wants to tell you how to raise your kids and what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing doesn't affect your mindset. Here's the final thing. I believe, I really believe that we can then learn to live above, to live above. I believe that it's possible for believers to enter into such a relationship with Jesus that it's not that we don't, it's not that we don't, aren't affected by it, but really we, li- really we live above. We live above. I love the response of Nehemiah 
not only did Nehemiah say, ain't coming down. It says, so I continued the work with even greater determination. What if God is actually using the person who's trying to complain to you or speak negatively into your life or your situation? What if the Lord would turn that and actually use that as fuel to propel you higher? I completed the work with even greater determination. Ain't coming down. Ain't coming down. I got a higher purpose. Ain't coming down. I got a higher calling. Ain't coming down. Ain't coming down. I'm not going to respond to you in the tone of voice at which you used to me. Ain't coming down. And coming down, I'm sorry, I want you to grab a vision for your life. But if you can't grab a vision for your life, ain't coming down because I got a vision for mine. Ain't coming down. Bible says this in the book of Ephesians, Pastor, I don't know about that live above. Like I can, I got my moments, you know, I got my moments where I can, in a worship service, when it's, when it's good, I can, I can get up there in my prayer closet. I can, ain't coming, ain't coming down. I get that, but I can really live, listen to this in the, in the book of Ephesians. Well, let me, let me explain this first. So where, years ago, centuries ago, where did, where did royalty live? Usually lived in some type of palace, right? And then where was the physical location of those palaces? It was usually elevated, wasn't it? Like up on a, up on a hill, up on a mountain. Like the war was going on and it's not that they didn't engage in battle, it's just that they, they lived in a different atmosphere. They lived in, a, the climate was different up there. The, the, the language was different up there. The atmosphere was different up there. So roy, royalty lives above. Loving, blessing, but they live above. Watch this in the book of Ephesians. Well, Pastor Doug, that'd be great if I was royalty, but listen, what, listen to what the book of Ephesians says about our lives in Christ. Ephesians 2, 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us where? With him in the heavenly realms. You can learn to live above. Your life will be a testimony that there is a higher way to live. There's a higher way to think. There's a higher way to speak. You got a higher calling. You ain't come, you're not coming down. Satan's been baiting you long enough with the same person, with the same trap, with the same, with the same. No more. Ain't, ain't coming down. Ain't coming down. At all, at all of our locations, let's let's do this. Let's stand. And I wanna I wanna practice, okay? So this is, this is going to happen this week. So you, so you got to get ready. You got to get ready with your response because if you're not ready with your response, then you, then you just respond out of emotion. But we're not going to respond out of emotion. We're going to respond out of, out of purpose. And so I'm going to, I'm going to play the role of the enemy in your life. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you some phrases. I'm going to give you some temptations. And then you're just going to respond with, you're going to respond with this declaration because you're going to begin to preach this to yourself. You're going to say, ain't coming down, ain't coming down. So, so it's going to look like this. Hey, you want to hear some gossip? And you're just going to say, ain't coming down. all right, a little more conviction. Like that was kind of, 
I, I believe that a little bit. Ain't coming down, but I'm coming down. Like, that's kind of what that sounded like. So need a little more, like, oomph in there. So, like, hey, hey, I, let's talk about this group of people so you can feel better about yourself. And you're going to say, that sounds better. Hey, hey, let's, uh, let's complain about stuff. That ought to fix it. Hey, hey, why don't you live out of self-pity and negative self-talk? And you're going to say, and the enemy's going to say, hey, I got some fear for you. And I got some intimidation for you. And you're going to say, and the enemy's going to say, you're not going to reach for the stars with those hopes and those dreams. Come down to this level. Come down to this mindset. And you're going to say, you're going to say, you're going to say, that's right, Concord. That's right, Davidson. You're not coming down because you got a higher purpose. You got a higher calling. You got a higher level. And we're going to shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. I ain't coming down. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.